Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-Mig's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNI. Off and running with Hawk Central. We've got Mark Emmert and Chad Lystico hanging out with us. Chad in studio, Mark on the phone, and it is going to be a fun one today. We've got uh, a bye week to break down. woo Yeah, that's right. Phil Parker will join us around, oh, what time are we planning on that? 6.45. Uh, 6.45 this yep. afternoon. Mark Emmert, thanks for giving us time here on a Wednesday. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Did you, uh, did you, did you manage the overreaction after the Wisconsin loss? This has been, you know, it's been 11, 12 days now <laughs> since, uh, since that happened. Did you guys do all right last week? I think so, actually, yeah. What was I don't this see with any carnage here anymore? So. What was that? Chris was just uh, laying waste to Paul Christ, huh? The guy out coaches Kirk Ferentz, and and Williams has the gall to come oh, on yeah. Hawk Central and just bash the guy. That that was the hottest of takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you to gotta write him in. Chad, uh, you settling back in? I know that the bye week kind of disrupts things here early in the season for you. You got you feel like you're you got a grip on this team again. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I was pretty encouraged, I guess, uh, what I heard yesterday. Um, it seemed like they've all turned the page. I mean, you wouldn't expect them to be dwelling on it you know, publicly, but yeah. you could legitimately hear a lot of confidence in their voice. Um, so I I took that as a good thing. And then the other interesting thing um, Kirk Ferentz mentioned is they, they shook up the bye week schedule for like the eighth time in his 20 years. And he said he's never been happy with a Sunday practice after a bye and for the first time. In forever, they were, he was actually happy with a Sunday practice after a bye. That's funny, Mark. I actually had a conversation, a couple of conversations with Chuck Long about his. He made a statement on Sound Off last week that this is the most mismanaged week in all of college football. Yeah. Mm, interesting. And uh, he kind of got his take on that a little bit yesterday. I think that's good to know that Coach Ferentz, even mixing it up, feels like he maybe settled on a good routine this year. Yeah, that's interesting. I heard Chuck say the same thing, and I, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way, but. Uh... He would know. What did he yeah, say? We'll see if they find a winning formula this time. I guess we'll find out what three days. <laughs> yeah. What did he say about uh, like how it's mismanaged? I mean, just that there's no good way. You know, it's almost like you have to figure out what's best for your mm-hmm. 60 most important players. You know, do they is simulating the week as closely as possible to a normal week? Sometimes that pays off for guys. The very next year, it seems to be disruptive to a guy's routine. You know, yeah. what do you? How do you handle Saturday and trying to? Do you just punt on Saturday, let the guys have a total day off and focus on other things. It was really strange, and he even kind of referenced back Coach Ferentz and the fact that he's kind of tried some different things. Mark, do you know, or Chad, do you know of anything that was maybe different this week than previously? Yeah, uh, I wrote about this. Uh, basically what they did is they treated it like a, a regular game week, um, at least the start of the week. So Sunday was film, as usual, but from the previous game. Uh, Monday they actually – uh, gave the older guys a day off practice, but they had the younger guys kind of go through the uh, the grinder. Um, and then Tuesday, Wednesday were regular practices uh, again with a little more attention on those younger guys, uh, but uh, but and less contacts. But yeah. but anyway, you still had those three practices like you do every week. Thursday, their typical day off, and then instead of Friday, you know, game prep and Saturday game, those were just off days. So they kind of treated it like that, and so. He was happy with how they came back Sunday. Interesting, I guess. Mark, did you you kind of have this same take on kind of the team's mentality after that bye week? You you, Chad seems to have a pretty optimistic view of what the team's response has been. Did you get that same vibe? Oh uh, yeah, but okay. I guess that's kind of what I expected. So. Yeah, and that, maybe that's the right way to start. Like, is that Wisconsin game a loss that you even dwell on? I I, I when when Chad said that, I'm thinking mm. I'm I'm not sure that's really a loss that. 
you know, you there's not too much to dwell on that loss, is there? No, I mean, not for two weeks. I mean, yeah, good point. I'm sure they did, I mean, I'm sure they did in the immediate aftermath. I, I think uh, Jake Gervas was talking about, you know, that, yeah, the first day after that was pretty tough. The Sunday, but uh, by the by, you know, by Monday and Tuesday of that week, you know, it's a pretty veteran team. Yeah, at least the guys that come to talk to us. So yeah, but yeah, they were ready to turn the page. And I don't think it's lingering at all. Chad, you had uh, an article that kind of sparked some uh, some response, I guess, earlier in the week. Yeah. Um... Yeah, posted a column yesterday, and and I think maybe um, I guess the one of the takeaways was Iowa needs this, the primary takeaway I should say is that Iowa uh, you know has a game against Minnesota this week and um, needs to start beating these types of opponents um, two and eight under PJ Fleck in the Big Ten, uh, obviously not to the level of Iowa at this point um, needs to start beating these teams more soundly uh and i made the wisconsin comparison that hey you look at wisconsin and look what they do to minnesota every year and other teams but minnesota is a is an apples and apples comparison because they play each other every year and you know wisconsin dominates minnesota every year double digits or more every year in the last eight years uh whereas iowa's uh, average margin of victory in that span is one and a half uh i had fans um you know Disputing uh, my logic there about the eight years, I'm saying you know the the 51-14 loss throws it off. But even in the last three years, when Iowa has the three-game winning streak, um, you know they you know, have averaged about a six-point margin of victory versus Wisconsin's 18. So it's really the same point um, in in that you just you, you can't afford to. My point is you can't afford to play close games. You're, you're going to get bitten one of these. Right. You, you look at that Northwestern game last year, for example. I mean that was a team that Iowa should have beaten. Um, on the road at Northwestern, yeah. you know, fooled around forever and, you know, messed up some things and 10-10, go to overtime, drop a pass, game over. You know, can't stop a third and 23. You just don't want it coming down to those kinds Man, of things. Man, Chad, I think it's easy. Or maybe, Mark, I should direct this towards you. I think it's easy as a fan to sit here on Tuesday and say, 10-9, yeah, to 9, as long as we win, I'm feeling good about that. <laughs> right. I host sound off. I know better. <laughs> like, they, they, win, they win Saturday 10-9, to 9, and it's going to be a heated show talking about firing coaches and who's the player to blame. <laughs> right. So I, I do think right. that there's – I think that if a fan's really being honest with themselves, margin of victory against a team like Minnesota who lost what twenty six to three to Miami of Ohio, or they won no, that they game. Won. They, they won. won. They lost. Uh, Maryland beat them. What was it? Forty two thirteen. There you go. He lost forty. They lost by twenty nine to Maryland. Right. Yeah, I think the Hawkeyes, if they win by twenty one, I think it's easy to go. Yeah, it was a win. That's all right. You know, that's the same as winning by thirty five or forty two or whatever. You win this game ten to nine. You win six to three. Interesting. And, and and I think that you're having a different conversation. Well, that's been two years ago up there. Iowa was down seven six late in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and snuck away with a fourteen seven win off an Akram Wadley long touchdown run. And that was another that was a game they won that year toward the end, but they easily could have lost that game easily. And um, you know, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I I thought you might be more in the camp of. Get a win. Get the wins. No. Count them up, baby. Yeah, obviously that's, like I said, right now it's it's real easy to say the win is all that matters. And I know that's what the coaches would say, but, man, for like the, the health of the fan base, for the mentality of what our expectations are and trying to meet that, I think that you've got to win this game. I, I was amazed when the line came out on this at like three. Mm-hmm. I'm still surprised it's only moved to like six and a half or whatever it is right now. I really think that the Hawkeyes are – 
at least 10 points better than this team, and I expect them to win this game by like three touchdowns. Oh, you're giving away your predictions. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. I'll yeah, play my cards a little early here. That's fine with me. But that, I do feel that way, Chad. I do think that margin of victory is going to play a role. Not in, well, every, not in every game. You know, I don't think, I'm not looking at Northwestern that way. Right. Well, I'm not, my point is, I'm not saying that you need to, uh, you know, to puff your chest to blow out these teams. I'm saying if you want to be, you know, a program that's dominant in the trenches, that can dominate every phase of the game, you're not playing 20 to 17 games. And I feel like, I feel like they showed some good things against Wisconsin. Didn't win the game, you know, messed up a lot of key things in that game, gave the game away. Um, but, they showed that they've taken steps as a program. They've, you know, the yeah. offense, you know, cranked it up against Wisconsin. Finally, um, the defense is way better than it was last year, at least so far. So, I'm just saying you don't want to see what I'm saying. You don't want to see, to me, what would be a regression and play a dogfight the next three weeks against Minnesota, Indiana, Maryland. I mean, they sh- if if they've indeed taken a step, they should win these. You know, be in control of these games. Most of the game. I'm not saying they have to win every game. I'm Mar- just saying. Mark, are we being greedy fans? Yeah. I'm not being a fan, no. but I'm <laughs> Am I being a greedy <laughs> fan? They should have beat this team comfortably. I mean, that's, a, that's a, been the pattern the last two years. Chad's right. Look at even the game they won at Rutgers two years ago was oh, a great point. Loss, you know? Yeah. The, the game against Purdue here last year was a game that I thought that they should have won. And, and it felt a little bit like Minnesota here last year where they only beat them by seven, but they actually outplayed Minnesota badly. Uh, Nick Easy was still talking about that. How disappointed they were in that performance that day the offense in particular even though they won the game they felt like they should have won that you know by three or four touchdowns not just one touchdown so if you're in all those close games we've seen it any any one mistake and suddenly you've got a loss when you're thinking you should have had a win all right i'd love to hear from fans here in this first segment 284-5966 chad had a really good idea as we're sitting here in this bye week looking at minnesota indiana maryland coming up here let's take a, a quick look back at these first four games Who's your offensive MVP? Who's your defensive MVP? Have you had a biggest surprise or a biggest bust? What's your most memorable play of the season so far? You maybe want to see more of something in the final eight games. What is that? And was this a good month for Iowa football? Those are all questions we want to tackle here, and we'd love to hear from you. Two eight four five nine six six. Chad, let's start at the top of that list. Yeah. For offensive MVP... Who you got? I think it's T.J. Hawkinson. Mm, um, good pick. Guy that they've gone to, and he seems to be the most consistent producer on that offense, and they've gone to in a lot of big situations in third downs. So I think right now T.J. Hawkinson is your offensive MVP. Well, I'm, I went with uh, Keegan Render at center. Oh, that's a uh, good one. <laughs> I think uh, that was uh, losing James Daniels to me. I thought that was going to be an irreplaceable loss. Uh, on that offensive line, and I thought the offensive line might struggle, frankly, this year. Uh, I didn't think it would be a great year for the line, especially with those early suspensions. But Render hasn't had one single bad snap, as far as I can tell, and that's you know the the surfacey stuff you can see from a center. But but the interior of that line has been really really good. That's a really good one. I think uh, that fifth year senior. I think he's making some uh, NFL money this year. The way he's playing um, looks a lot like Austin Blythe out there to me. Uh, easy to pick Stanley just because he's the quarterback, but uh, but I I think Render has been kind of the you know, kind of the key force in that line through four weeks, like the that, steadying force. Like that pick, Mark. Who's your offensive MVP? Well, I should go with a tight end, uh, like you did, I guess. But uh, I actually went with Render myself. I just think wow. that uh, his leadership there has been 
kind of unheralded. Um, I've really been impressed by you know what he's been able to do with that line as the like the most experienced guy. I mean, just think about where they'd be without him. I mean, you'd have Bandwidth yeah. starting in there probably at center, and then I don't know, Reynolds moves everything around. Maybe on the other side of him, it'd be yeah, just be. I think, and I think the offensive line has been much better than I thought it would be. So I'm going to give Keegan Render a lot of credit for that. I had a lot tougher time trying to choose a defensive MVP. Mm. Uh, Chad, who did you who did you land on? AJ Epinesa, the same guy. I had to <laughs> the backup, I, right? The third best DN. I still getting beat up for saying that on sound off. Uh, yeah, he's my pick. I mean, he's he's made the big plays. Um, now there's been solid guys. I think you could make an argument for Jack Hockaday, honestly, yeah. for for steadying that linebacker group. And I think you can make an argument for either safety. But uh, I'm going with a big playmaker, AJ Epinesa, and. Uh, I do want to see more of him, by the way, for the your question. Oh, see, and you, I, you already stole some of my. You're, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm that's not obvious. I've been saying it, that for weeks. Tease it too much. I think you stole one of my biggest surprises there. Also, <laughs> I, so Mark, where do you go? We we both have AJ Epinesa listed as our defensive MVP through four games. Who's your pick? Yeah, I mean, it is a tough call because there's so many guys like job sharing, including him, that aren't there out there as much. But I, I went with Amani Hooker actually. That's a good I one too. Good pick. Yeah. Really, really good. He plays. Obviously, he plays. He's an every snap guy. Yeah. Uh, made some big plays as well. You know, a couple of pass breakups. He got that safety. One of their two interceptions. I think he's just a really, really good uh, football player. And he's done a good job, Mark. Those guys, those safeties have. It seems to me been required to step up a little bit more and kind of play with those linebackers more than previous years. And he has done a great right. job of that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, he's that played was well. Part of my thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. See, for my biggest surprise, you you mentioned Hockaday there, and I I kind of was going to go with the linebackers yeah. because I I don't know whether to do Neiman, Hockaday. I felt like Colbert played really game, really well in that uh, Iowa State game when he was kind of thrown out there. So I feel like the linebackers have performed better than I thought they were going to. I think if I had to get specific, I'd probably go with Nick Neiman though. Okay. Biggest surprise again. Yeah. It, it, what's your biggest surprise, Mark? I actually did go Hockaday there because okay. there was a guy that was basically mm-hmm. kind of buried on the depth chart. We had, I think most of us had given up on him and never playing here. And uh, suddenly he's not only playing every game, he's your middle linebacker who's kind of like been the glue of that middle that linebacking core. I mean, now we're getting a new style coming in this week. We've got guys just changing around him consistently, and he's been the one guy that's kind of been out there and uh, leads the team in tackles. I think he's been, been much better than people would have thought. I think your biggest surprise almost has to come from this defense, doesn't it, Chad? Uh, you know what? Just listening to you guys, oh. I absolutely agree with, with both choices. Um, but just to kind of change the conversation a little bit, I'm going to switch to offense and uh, throw a wrinkle in here. How about Dalton Ferguson? How about him? Starts at left tackle okay. to start the season in that Northern Illinois game. Red, walk on. Uh, played really well. Controlled Sutton Smith. I mean, that that's a guy that could have injured Nate Stanley for the season. <laughs> I mean, he was capable of it. You know, now now all of a sudden he's the starting right guard um, for this team when with Cole Banwart uh, having been hurt. So, uh, you know, that's just as far as he's he's about as much of an out of nowhere guy to me as Hockaday was. And and uh, again, that offensive line has been pretty good. So uh, when you said offense, yeah. I thought you were going Brady Ross. Yeah, hey, you know that that yeah. wouldn't be that bad. He's been pleasantly <laughs> been a good uh, been a he, nice surprise. Yeah, he, what's he have four catches? His, that's as many as the running backs combined. So. Uh, yeah, I th- I'm seeing three <laughs> three catches, 25 yards, but five carries, and a long of four. Steady, but busted He's through that steady. line, and they've all resulted in first down. Yeah, that's a nice part of that. All right, uh, biggest bust. 
Who has not lived up to the expectations that we had? Or what? Why don't we start with Mark? <laughs> that This is a yeah. tough one. This is a hard Thanks. one to come up with the, the biggest bust. Uh, it actually wasn't for me. I just think uh, I, I know Nick usually has 12 catches through four games, but 10 of them came in one game. So uh, against FBS competition, he's got two catches in three games. Uh, unusually quiet. I think they, they need a lot more out of him. And I, I would be surprised if they don't get more out of him, but I think he, he needs to be better and be more bigger part of this offense. Chad, mm. did you have one? I, I've got I've got one, but I'm, I feel like I'm being mean here. So now you go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Ojemudia has not played as well as I'd hoped, mm. and I, and and again, maybe it's an expectations thing. I really thought that one of these cornerbacks was going to be a diamond in the rough and kind of jump back out, do what we saw Desmond King and Josh Jackson do, kind of come from being, um, you know, a a part of this team to being a superstar on this team. And I thought with some of the movements that we saw during the offseason at cornerback that maybe that was indicative of the coaches seeing one of these guys doing it. And I, I, I was hoping it was Ojemudi, who's played well, but he has been burned a few times. The last he's, two weeks he's, he's struggled. He, we've had a, and it gets pointed out. That's a guy that has been, had been pointed out a few times. So if I have to pick one, and I don't like doing it, okay. that's the one. How about yeah, you? I think bust is a little harsh. Yeah, I, mean, I think I we're too. just talking about you know, college kids here, but... Uh, I'm going to go uh, position group, um, actually a whole unit in- entirely, uh, special teams. I mean, I think mm-hmm. uh, Miguel Racinos has missed three kicks, correct? Yep. Um, the first punt of the season was blocked. Um, and then and then the special teams gave away the Wisconsin game. I mean, two two miscues there. I like a lot of the things they're doing. I mean, I still like Kyle Gronaweg. I still think he's a, a solid punt returner back there. But just as far as overall performance um, – you know, that's been a disappointment. Your most memorable play of September uh, of, of these first four games. It, it's really tough because really you've only got two games. I mean, it, cause, was there anything memorable from you and I? Uh, I mean, I mean, it, mine would, yeah, no. Yeah, was there anything memorable from NIU? Uh, I mean, Torrin Young's 40-yard run would be the closest thing to so, it. So this is unfortunate. The most memorable play of the season so far is Sean Byer kicking the punt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AJ Epine- or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Noah Fance had a couple of really nice touchdowns. Sargent's touchdown against the Cyclones. Yeah, I w- one of mine was uh, the long pass to Brandon Smith against the Cyclones. That was a yeah. that was a big moment um, in that game, in a six three ball game. Few defensive moments you could pick from in there. Mark, do you have one that jumps out at you as the most memorable play of the season so far? Well, I agree with Chad in terms of positives. I thought the 30 yarder to Brandon Smith, obviously, mm-hmm. to set up that only touchdown they had in that game against Iowa State was huge. Uh, on the negative side, I'm going to go with that fourth and one play against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Five yard line. But that was the best opportunity at that time uh, for that team. Yeah. Something you, no question. Something you want to see more well, of. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. My memorable play was uh, uh, Stanley scrambling around. Throwing a, a moon shot into the air and TJ Hawkinson coming down with it for a 46 yard catch. That was a phenomenal play on both ends and mm-hmm. uh, against Wisconsin. And um, I think that led one. to a touchdown, right? So yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think, but uh, yeah, negative play. You could pick anyone from the Wisconsin. I mean, I, the image to me that still sticks out among all those is you know Nick Neiman falling down and and the receiver catching the touchdown mm-hmm. with 52 seconds left. I mean, Iowa just needed one turnover, one stop. You know anything on that drive and and you know kind of stumbled at the finish let's hope that the most unmemorable play of that game doesn't haunt the Hawkeyes because Nick Neiman was hurt on that final touchdown right 
on the yeah on the fullback touchdown later. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, Twenty tough. seconds later or whatever. All right. So the la- uh, one of the last ones you want to see more of blank in the final eight games. I want to see more consistent running, and I think that if mm-hmm. I had to put a name on it, it's Ivory Kelly Martin. Mm-hmm. I want to see. I like. Yeah. I want to see fifteen twenty carries from one of these guys, and I think Kelly Martin's probably the guy. So that's it. I'm filling my blank in with I want to see more of Ivory Kelly Martin in the final eight games. Chad, what do you want to see more of? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to uh, piggyback off Emmert's bust. Um, uh, Nick Easley, I want to see him more involved in the pass game because it seems like every time he gets involved, good things happen. I mean, even late in that Wisconsin game had that really clutch 22-yard catch that I thought maybe would have started to put the game away. Uh, but that was his only catch of the game. And uh, yep. I, th- I think he's healthier now. He was, I think, banged up a little bit earlier in the year. So um, that's part of it. Uh, but now after the bye week, I like uh, I like getting him more involved and getting him active in the game. Mark, what do you need to see more of here in the final two months? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the popular answer for fans, and that's more snaps for no fan, no more snaps for Jeff and Esther. Like that. Probably your two best athletes, and they're not on the field nearly enough, in my opinion. Yeah, according, I, that's cor- a good one. According to Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Focus. That's a tongue twister sometimes. Uh, Anthony Nelson, 57. Parker Hesse, 56. Chauncey Golston, 25. And A.J. Epinesa, 21 against Wisconsin. That's, yeah, a, that's an imbalance there. N- need more A.J. Epinesa <laughs> out there, certainly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, was this a good month for Iowa football? I say yeah. I, I think this was what all of us had predicted. I think all of us had predicted. You guys picked Iowa State to beat the Hawks, didn't you? Initially, losers. I, I, I flipped. So anyway, I flipped. most of us had, most of us were expecting this or or something worse at this point. Right. So I would say this was a good month of of college football for the Hawkeyes. Even the one game that they lost, Mark, that most of us thought they were going to, they played that game so tight they were in that till the final minute. So yeah, I think this was a good month of Iowa football. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree. I've been telling people that uh, here too that during the bye week that. Uh, like you said, I thought they'd be two and two right now instead of three and one. But I think more importantly, I just think they've looked better than I thought they would in the linebacking unit, in the offensive line. Some of the key cluster marks that we thought they had, I think, uh, have been better than I expected. So I think overall, people should be really excited about this team. Chad, yeah. good month. I, I'm ex- same answer as good. Mark's. I, I saw a lot of better things than I thought I would see out of this team, and and that's why uh, you know I think they've got a shot at, at doing some really good things the rest of the year. All right, we got Phil Parker going to join us here in about 20 minutes. But in the meantime, we'll touch up on a little, a little bit of hoops, and we'll preview that Minnesota matchup, maybe even get some predictions in at the, at the end of our Phil Parker interview. That's how we'll wrap up Hawk Central here uh, up till 7 o'clock on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Thanks for joining us here on Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. Big thanks to our buddy George Migliero down at G-Mig's for sponsoring Hawk Central. Uh, Cyclone Insider, George, been a big part of our Monday night programming here on KXNO for a long time. And uh, not only glad to have him as a sponsor, really proud of that because that's a wonderful place. If you haven't been yeah, to G Migs, really good. Get out of your way to go there. the The brunch on the weekend is fantastic. the uh, The build your burger night is amazing. Anyway, enough with that. Go check out G Migs. Probably should get into uh, a little bit of hoops here, Mark. You, I saw you posted something like you, you sat down with Luca Garza uh, for a little while. What What should we know about what's new in the world of Luca Garza? Yeah, actually, I talked to his dad, uh, Frank. Um, I've been doing that pretty much off and on since the surgery. You know, he had surgery on September 7th. 
to remove a cyst, and I'm told it's a, it was a pretty large cyst. Um, and uh, and so Frank uh, finally uh, yesterday decided that uh, he was ready to talk a little bit on the record in terms of you know what what the situation is with Luca. Uh, sounds like there's like one big one big medical test he still has to kind of pass in two weeks. Then we'll know more about you know his timeline for being back. But uh, they're still convinced that he's going to play at some point this year. Uh, he's back to uh, you know he's able to ride ride an exercise bike now. He's able to do a little bit of basketball activity, some light activity. He's not practicing, of course. Uh, he got caught up in his homework. I think he kind of fallen behind there when, after that surgery. So, just uh, you know, still a little bit of wait and see. Uh, I think there's still a little bit of concern there, but uh, but he's still pretty encouraged by uh, by the progress his son is making and thinks he's going to be back uh, sometime this winter. Mark, is is it fair to categorize it as like abdominal? Yeah, it was out. It okay. Happened, yep. Okay. So the quote he said about when made me. Yeah. Start thinking about I don't know. Could this guy miss the whole season? I mean, could he miss yeah, months? I mean, I, I, think, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's I fair mean, to I speculate. I guess, but I just, I just, I feel bad yeah. for the kid. And... Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously to have surgery that close to the beginning of the season, uh, it's not ideal. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think there is there is. I mean, you have to start thinking about you know what happened to Connor McCaffrey last year. Yeah. In terms of you know medical issues, that just never kind of never kind of got to 100. percent So you know obviously he would still have a redshirt year available if they decided to go that route. But uh, for now, they're not really thinking about that. But uh, I think in two weeks we'll know a little bit more. And, and okay. you know I think any possibility is you know certainly out there. Yeah, Iowa Media Day on Monday. Basketball's coming. Yeah, right. he'll, he'll be there. Up on us, right? Yeah, We're, first time we'll get a chance to talk to Tyler Cook really since he came back. Okay. Um, you know, have had haven't been able to get a sit down with him. Um, he's been pretty quiet. So. Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of stuff coming on that on that front. Anything else, Mark? What do you what do you expect to kind of be the the story Monday at Media Day? Well, certainly Tyler Cook and Luca Garza will be two big ones. Of course, it's Joe Wieskamp is the new mm-hmm. the newcomer that everybody's going to want to be talking about, and rightfully so. Um, and I, I do really think that probably the biggest story right now is going to be what what is Brian McCaffrey going to do to replace Luca Garza at center? Because certainly he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season, and that's that's a pretty big void there. So. You got uh, you got Pemsley, you got Creener, you got maybe Tyler Cook moves over to center, but but somehow I'm sure he's already thinking about how he's going to approach those minutes. Mm. All right, let's get back to football. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, right. Feel a little more <laughs> optimistic about this matchup with Minnesota than I do Hawkeye basketball right now without Garza and wondering what's going to happen with all these other dudes. So let's talk a, a little bit about this matchup with Minnesota. First of all, on the Hawkeye front, Chad, we knew. Mm-hmm. Nick Neiman got banged up, as He's we talked out. about. He's out for a couple weeks. At least, yeah. Uh, Barrington Wade will start. It'll be his first career start, and interestingly, Iowa's sixth starting linebacker of the year. Crazy how much they've juggled there and so far stayed afloat. Right. Um, Matt Hankins. And Barrington Wade, by the way, uh, no no career tackles yet. <laughs> no career tackles? Yeah, I guess he, he didn't play last year, did he? He didn't play last wow. year. Wow. Wow. That's something. You're starting a linebacker with no career tackles, but they're very high on him, actually. Yeah, and he'll get at least one, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bold predictions from Emmert. Hankins? (laughs) Hankins, uh, let's check in with Phil Parker on that. Uh, uh, Ferentz said uh, yesterday he's got a shot. He's Iowa's best corner, point blank. So Mm -hmm. if he plays, that's a really good thing for the Hawkeyes. If he doesn't, Minnesota. Let's start there with the matchup, actually. Minnesota has two really good receivers. Um, Tyler Johnson might be one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. Um, that's kind of where they can move the football. 
Um, so if Iowa's down corners, Ugh. you know that that's the match. That's the one matchup I think where Iowa could be susceptible. Well, Mark, I know Minnesota's dealing with some injuries also. They've got, in fact they've got some really key injuries hurting that team right now. Yeah, well, they just lost their best defensive player uh, in that Maryland game. I think in the first quarter, actually, mm-hmm. with a foot injury, he's out for the season. Antoine Winfield Jr. And uh, so they're going to have a true freshman in the BB Richard freshman place again. True. Already start. I think they yeah, start true eight freshmen. freshmen. And, uh, and uh, I think five on offense. So really, really young team. Obviously, they already lost Rodney Smith, their running back. That happened early in the year. Um, starting a true freshman quarterback. Um, they got 33 freshmen on their two deep. 33. So uh, I think T.J. Fleck this week said that'd be like having an NFL team that has 15 rookies playing. I mean, it's just uh, it's a lot of lot of yeah, a lot of youth, and they're uh, thought play out against Maryland. I mean, they just got really overwhelmed there um, and had a had a really poor game. So this is a team that's uh, like we were saying earlier, a team that Iowa really should be beat comfortably, honestly. All right, Chad. When we look at that Iowa offense versus Minnesota's defense, Minnesota's defense they gave up 42 to Maryland. It was two weeks ago. They had a bye week to prepare for the Hawks also. Yep. Yeah. Um, right. But that seems like on paper, mm-hmm. like Iowa should have a big advantage there. Yeah, I watched uh, some of the film on Maryland, uh, Minnesota, and really what, what Maryland did was reel off big plays. I mean, that was kind of where they got the bulk of their yardage. Now, <laughs> Iowa not, has not, not been a strength a, for the Hawks. Iowa has not been a big play team. So uh, it, that'll be interesting to watch. I do think in just watching how their DBs play the run, uh, they really take some bad angles, uh, which can can make up for big runs. I mean, we right. saw Akram Wadley do that two years ago in Minneapolis. So uh, that's something I'll be looking for. I think uh, Ivory Kelly Martin, maybe uh, maybe this is his week to break a big one. Uh, I think his long so far is 19 yards this year running the ball. I know he's only played two games, but uh, you know he he's due to kind of to break one. Yep. Uh, but I think the Iowa's offensive line. Um, has a really good shot to control this game. Now Minnesota's got some veterans up front, so they're not. That's one area where they're not young is on the defensive line. But uh, just kind of you know, when the first time they played a, a you know a, a legitimate offensive line in Maryland, um, it did not hold up too well. They gave up 315 rushing yards. What about Minnesota's secondary? I mean, we've got the the two headed tight end monster and Hawkinson and Fant trying to figure out something in that passing game. How does that matchup look for the Hawks, Mark? Uh, pretty favorable now that Winfield's out because obviously he's a he's a defensive back, and really uh, they they kind of funnel everything in their defense through him. He was like the one guy that they kind of featured, uh, you know, almost like a hooker for Iowa, mm-hmm. but even probably even more extreme in terms of what they try to do with him. So there's uh, they already were starting one freshman there. Now they got two, and now they got this guy uh, Jacob Hoff was a veteran, a senior back there. But for the most part, they're pretty young back there, and that should be a matchup that that works in Iowa's favor. Chad, when, the weather's. I mean, I guess I haven't seen the weather forecast, but I'm assuming that's going to be, you know, not raining. So, Chad, when we uh, flip the ball here, Minnesota's on offense and Iowa is on defense. Hawks going to be dominant up front against this Minnesota offensive line. To me, that's the biggest mismatch of this game okay. is Iowa's defensive line against their offensive line. They have not run the ball well all year, and that's against New Mexico State, um, <laughs> you know, Fresno State, the likes, you know, even Maryland. I mean, that that's not a good rush defense at all. Uh, and they just haven't been able to yet. And Iowa's, uh, what, top 10 in the country in rush defense. So uh, second in the Big Ten. So that's that's the matchup that favors Iowa the most. I think they just got to you know, totally take the run away and make the freshman quarterback try to beat them. does sound, just from what you told me, though, there might be a mismatch in that uh, secondary yeah, for the maybe. Hawkeyes if they've got some playmakers at wide receiver. 
I mean, uh, uh, Julius Brents and Riley Moss, uh, two true freshmen, could play a lot this week. We'll ask Phil Parker about that. Uh, You know, maybe this is their their week to step up. I think for sure we'll see Brents, and I think we may see Moss as well. Mark, P.J. Fleck says that Kirk Ferentz is the greatest coach of all time or something like that. Uh, (laughs) He's very high. He had a lot of good things to say about Iowa's coaching in general, but, yeah, definitely Kirk Ferentz, the – Kind of uh, the longevity here, the way this culture has been established. I, I listened to his press conference again from yesterday, and he was just raving about not only Iowa but Wisconsin too, just in terms of they've, they've got these cultures here that have been longstanding, and that's one thing Minnesota just cannot get because they keep changing coaches every three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's he, he envies Iowa because they, they know exactly what they want to do, and they do it very well. He said, he said they're the best tackling team he's seen on film. How big of an advantage is coaching for the Hawkeyes, Chad? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I'd give the edge to Iowa in this one, um, just because PJ Flex so far is just two and eight in the Big Ten, so it really hasn't proven it um, at this level. And they are young, but but you know that's this is the type of game that they're going to be up for because this is a trophy game. Uh, they they need some kind of program, you know, win to kind of rally around to to build that culture. So you know they're going to be fired up. They've had the bye week to prepare without Winfield. It's not going to be easy, but uh, I do think the matchups favor the Hawkeyes. Let's hear it directly from uh, from the man's mouth. Coach P.J. Fleck was uh, chatting about Coach Ferentz today. You know, Kirk Ferentz is one of the best college football coaches in the history of college football. You know what you're going to get when you play Iowa, whether you're in Iowa City or you're here in, in Minneapolis or you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You know what you're going to get. And that's, I think that's really what's, what makes them really special. You know exactly what you're going to get behind that brand all the time. A lot of brands change that every three years. And you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. Well, with Iowa, you always know what you're going to get. That's a complete compliment to them. And that's you could slow him down about 70%. You're still going to understand what P.J. Flex trying to get across to you. When we get back, we're going to chat with a member of Kirk Ferentz's coaching staff. Phil Parker will join us to wrap up Hawk Central here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mix Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Wrapping up Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. My buddies from the Des Moines Register, Mark Emmert and Chad Leistico, hanging out with me. And we have uh, been very lucky this year. We've got exclusive rights to chat with some of the coaches with this Iowa football team throughout the season. This is It's weird because these guys are super busy. Wednesday night at 6.45, I'm sure the last thing they want to do is talk to a bunch of morons about uh, their football team. So, Coach Phil Parker, right away, thanks for uh, you know setting aside your preconceived notions about us. Hey, just uh, welcome to Beyond. Thanks for having me on, and I enjoy that. I mean, I just got out of a meeting, so it was perfect timing. This will be a lot less stressful for you, I hope. Yeah, well, How, what? So we were talking at the beginning of this, Coach, about kind of you know moving on from that Wisconsin game. It, first of all, any loss seems like it's tough to get past, but there doesn't seem like there's a lot in this Wisconsin game for you to guy for, for you as a coaching staff to really pick apart. What was the one thing that you saw in Wisconsin that you felt like you you had to focus on over these last ten days? Well, I just think we got to play a little bit cleaner football. I think our kids played with great effort and great toughness. And when it comes down to a game like the, uh, a good team like Wisconsin, you got to play clean. And they played a little bit cleaner than we do did that that night. Uh, I think our guys did a great job uh, as far as like responding. And like I wanted to make sure that they felt the pain and 
for the first couple of days, and then you got to heal it and move on and learn from your mistakes. And, and I think our guys have. They took the challenge on, and I really feel comfortable about where our, our guys are headed. As we were kind of trying to predict and preview this Minnesota game, we were talking about some of the injuries. We know Nick Neiman looks like he'll be out for a couple of weeks. What's the status with Matt Hankins? Was he able to practice today? Yeah, he didn't play. I think we held him on a little bit and just want to make sure. He's played a lot of football here, so it's kind of we're just making sure that he, he can get to the game, and, and I think he'll be ready for it. You know, how much we play him, it all depends how he feels, and I think mm-hmm. he's doing fine now. Well, that's uh, that's encouraging uh, to see if, if he's out there. He, I think he's had a really fine year. A um, couple names, uh, new names I think fans are getting to know are, are a couple true freshmen, Phil, uh, Julius Brents and, and even Riley Moss. Uh, we saw them get some heat-of-the-moment action there in the fourth quarter. Um, it, this is a, kind of an interesting stat. Brents was the highest-ranked rivals recruit in your class of 2018, and Moss was the lowest-ranked. So how, how, what have you seen from, from Riley in particular that kind of made him emerge from, from almost a blue-shirt recruit to uh, you know true freshman contributor? Well, you know, first of all, the, the rankings, it's, it, it, they're always— You guys love those, I know. Yeah, it's great to have the rankings. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. It's a great job for those guys to have, and— and stuff like that and gives them everybody to read some information on it but i think when it comes down to it, when you're recruiting is you got to find out about the kid and you got to find out you know how deep he is and how important it is you know of all the aspects of his his life whether it's academically socially and how important football is and i think both guys uh, you know have those great qualities that you're looking for and whether one kid was rated it's kind of like the way we rated the kids of like what did we think of them and where could they fit in our system? And I just really think I think Riley's done a good job of just competing. You know what I mean? He doesn't. You know, obviously he doesn't know everything that we're doing, and but he does compete on the field, and that's the encouraging thing about it. He's got great quickness. He's got good cover skills, and the kid, he's very tough. And he's knowledgeable of the game. He has a natural instinct. This the same thing as, as Julius has. He has the he has the you know just that natural ability to understand the game of football. How does a freshman like that, um, you know, in in his case in particular, kind of make an impression? And I mean, sure, I'm sure it happens in fall camp, but how do you kind of start noticing this guy? And do you say, do, is it is it a case where you you see this guy do things a couple of different times and then you know start moving him up the ranks? Well, yeah. Well, what happens? You, obviously, you're out there in practice, and we had you know already been here for basically two months with these guys here working with them. And the stuff that you they pick up in the film room, the stuff that they do on the field, and you know the one thing you, you can really tell is you want a guy who gives great effort, and I think both of them give great effort, and they're both tough, and they start making these plays. You say that, that that's decent, that's really good. <laughs> do they know everything? No. Do you want them to do it a little bit better? Yes. They haven't. They're not close to where they need to be. But they have been impressive to me as being young kids, having the capability to go in the game as a true freshman. Coach Phil Parker, defensive coordinator for the Hawkeyes, joining us here on Hawk Central. We've also got Mark Emmert. Mark, I know you've got a couple to, to throw at Coach also. We'll let you take the floor here for a minute. Yeah, Phil, I actually wanted to ask you about a couple of freshmen that we haven't really seen uh, so far. Uh, Dallas Craddock and D.J. Johnson, I guess. Well, Dallas, uh, he's been working hard. You know, he's uh, he's a guy that was highly, you know, rated again. And he came in here, and it's a little bit different probably than what he was used to 
uh, coming from his his uh, high school, and maybe that he doesn't move as fast as along mentally as the other guys right now. And you know, we're probably going to end up redshirting him right now, as I see it. Um, so, and DJ Johnson is the guy that you know he he, he pulled a hamstring. And he's just starting to get back, and I really like what I've seen in the last week, you know, of what he's been doing the last couple of days of practice of, you know, his movement, and I think he's back full go, and so I'm really excited to see where he goes, and that's all going to come down to another thing. We already we have eight games left. You know, do you play him, or do you play him in four games, or, or what? So he's going to probably be a discussion with that if it comes to, you know, the fact that he keeps on improving the way he is. Mm-hmm. Coach, right now your defense – oh, go ahead, Mark, go ahead. So maybe we can see him in November is what you're saying. One of those guys? Yeah, well, you know, it's always possible that that, that new rule here, and obviously, yeah. you know, I don't know how, you know, uh, it's going to go, but you could probably use a guy like that and maybe it's special teams. Maybe, you know, you want to get guys out. If you have a chance to play a kid and it's you got three games left and you got three games in a bowl game or if that, if you got four games left, and you got a chance to get him on the field and show you what he can do without losing a year of eligibility, then why wouldn't you? Coach, it almost sounds that because we, we've talked to a lot of the assistant coaches here, and we were really intrigued by this four-game rule early on. It, it almost kind of sounds like you, you as a staff are just kind of letting this come to you. You really haven't strategized on when it's best or, or which guys are going to maximize that four-game rule or am i am i misinterpreting this yeah no i think the, the guys that we 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 know that are some guys that they're already you know like julius prince and riley moss i mean they're they're, they're not getting redshirted we already understand that but there's some other guys out there that are not where they need to be but could have a chance yeah we're not sitting here i'm not thinking about it and i'm, I'm not wasting any time at night thinking about <laughs> it. just That's these few minutes <laughs> right all right, so we've had this conversation a lot on uh, the, the Sound Off program I host Saturday nights after the games. Everybody's real impressed with this defense. I hope you feel that way also. The, the numbers certainly bear it out. 260.5 total yards. That ranks you third. Fifth in scoring with 13 points per game. You've got a lot of experience with this, Coach. How good is this defense? You know, I think we have a chance to be good. You know, I think, you know, early in the season, it's it's hard to tell, you know, where you're going to end up at. But I think that the best thing about what we have with defense and, and whether you go back to 2015, how the culture is and how everybody's really close-knit and everybody's on the same page. And I just, we just like the effort that they're given. And I think it was the same thing when it was 2013. I think it's the same type of feeling uh, that we had. But, you know, I think we have some good up-front guys up front that are, are, I think is our strong point is the D-line, and I'm excited to see where they're going. I think with the, the linebackers are growing as they go. I think Jack, uh, Jack Hockaday did, has done a great job in the, as a middle linebacker. And then the, the back end with Jake and, and Hooker and then some of the younger guys that are filling in right now, uh, really excited to see where they can go. But, you know, think about the Big Ten schedule that you know, I mean everybody's in there trying to win the games and I think our guys are looking forward to the challenge this week Phil I know this is a you know, unfair question because you've had so many uh, good defenses over the years um, you've been with Kirk Ferentz uh, you know all 20 seasons here at Iowa um, but two-part question what what makes a great defense what what are the key traits in in a great defense 
And as you look back, which which defense would you rank as, as the best you've coached at Iowa? Uh, you know, what I think is important about it is, you know, football is very fundamentally you got to be sound. And, you know, in every defense you've got to have somebody that it's a support system. Who's responsible to stop the end run? Who's mm-hmm. responsible to, for a cutback player? Who's responsible for the pass? And if everybody's on the same page and you see consistency of guys knowing what they're doing, know how to line up, and they can leverage the ball, because it's eventually that's what you got 11 guys trying to tackle the guy that has the ball. And I know that with all these offenses and all that stuff, every spread out, we kind of try to keep it as simple as possible because it's, it is a simple game, but it's hard. And what I've seen from these guys of – being in the right position and fundamentally sound, I think these guys are really doing a good job in that. And then it comes down, you got to tackle and you got to get off blocks. And I think our guys have really done that very well so far. And But I think, you know, going back to say, hey, where does it rank since I've been, you know, the coordinator, 2013, 2015, I think that that, that would be. But also, you know, when, since I've been here, yeah. I mean, we were pretty good in 2009. I think we were pretty good in 2004. I thought we were 2003, 2002. So there's been other school, you know, years that I think we've been pretty good. Time will tell whether we fit up in, you know, in that that position. I thought 2010 was a good year, you know. So, you know, there's a couple of years in there, but every every team is different. You know, they're built different. You know, we we have a lot more depth probably than we had since I've been here at the front up front. You know, we usually been more stronger in the back end as the linebackers and had really good players back in 2002, 2003, 2004 up front. I mean, they played in the yeah. NFL and some are still playing. You know, so there's, there's, I can't say that I think we got a little bit more depth and more guys that prior playing for us yeah. than they did before, and I think that's helping us. Coach, thanks so much for giving us time here midweek. We know this is a, can, can be a time, kind of a time crunch. Heck, we got, we got you out of a meeting. What are we saying? Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. welcome. I'm I'm still trying to be, trying to get something to eat yet. So, coach, thanks so much. We greatly appreciate it, sir. Go go okay, get them on thank Saturday. You guys. Have thanks, a good weekend. Coach Bye. Phil Parker, defensive coordinator for the Iowa Hawkeyes. We're we got about a minute here, boys. So I'm going to go first. I think the Hawkeyes put it on Minnesota this week. I a 35-7, and it's like a special teams garbage touchdown that Minnesota happens to pick up. Oh, man. I think this defense rolls on Minnesota, and I think the offensive running game finally finds its grip. Chad? Yeah, I picked 42-13 in the offseason, uh, which was kind of an odd pick considering the matchup, but but that was the exact score of the Maryland game, and I think I, think I was going to play it a little uh, tighter to the vest but still win this one comfortably 28-10. Mark, what do you got for this weekend? I got the I got the Hawkeyes rolling also twenty four three. I think the defense is going to dominate this game. Like that a lot, yeah. I'm I I think that's we're all on the same page there. Yeah, it's a big part of it. That's it. I mean, it was minus three against Wisconsin. That was really the game. Did we miss anything with Coach Parker? What was the what What did you get from that, Chad? Uh, uh, DJ Johnson um, could be a guy later in the year. That was interesting, and uh, sounds like Hankins will play, but but not sure how much. Speaks very highly of Riley Moss, also. Yeah, Hankin I mean, Centennial kid. Yep. Yeah, to they go. They all do. <laughs> very, very good point. <laughs> all right, Lamar Woods does too. Yeah. Yeah. So did Jake Gervas yesterday. 
All right, right. so let's see. Saturday, we're looking at a 2.30 kickoff on BTN. That means pregame starts at 12.30 on WHO. I'll be doing sound off till about 10 o'clock Saturday night. Love to hear from you on uh, your drive home from Minnesota. Hopefully you're going up there to watch the Hawkeyes kick some butt. We'll be back with Chad and Mark next Wednesday for Hawk Central when we'll be breaking down Iowa. What's that going to be? Indiana next? Ah, another yep. win. Another big win for oh, the Hawks. <laughs>